Phoebe is not the only one with that problem, hearing a song and thinking the words are something different than they actually are. Uh, Credence Clearwater Revival has a song, Bad Moon Rising. Actual lyrics are, there's a bad moon on the rise, but some have thought it's, there's a bathroom on the right. <laughs> the Monkees have a song, I'm a Believer. You know, right, the song. Then I saw her face, now I'm a believer. But some people have thought, then I saw her face, now I'm going to leave her. <laughs> Adele has a song, Chasing Pavements. Actual lyrics are, or should I just keep chasing pavements? But some people have thought she's saying, should I just keep chasing penguins? Has this ever happened to you? You're singing a song with somebody, and then they're singing something different, and you're like, that's not the words to this song. My brother and I, um, our basement growing up was this cement slab that my dad had finished, and we had a pool table. And my brother and I would roller skate around the pool table, table all the time, and uh, we would do that listening to my parents' music, which was Neil Diamond. <laughs> and Neil Diamond has a song, Forever in Blue Jeans. Does anyone here know it? Okay, I'm going to ask you to prove it to me right now. <laughs> Talks. Money talks, but, but it, it don't sing and dance and it, it don't walk. walk. Gary knows it. As long as, as I can, can have you here with me, I'd much rather be forever in blue jeans. You guys are old. <laughs> so it's forever in blue jeans. But my brother was skating around the basement singing a reverend in blue jeans. <laughs> He's kind of a bit of a prophet, like a little prophetic. But today we're looking at Psalm 81, and the theme of that psalm is listening to God. And listening leads to life, but often we're hearing, but not heeding. The words are coming in, but we're not listening with our lives. As we listen to the voice of love, it leads to life. So today, in looking at this psalm about listening, we're going to consider three stories together. The stories, one of them is about pokies, one of them is about family photos, and the third one is about controlling the narrative. So first of all, uh, let's start with pokies. You're like, what is she even talking about? Uh, the center of this psalm is verse 8. Verse 8 says this, Listen, my people, and I will warn you. Israel, if you would only listen to me. There's like a warning around the importance of listening right in the middle of this psalm. Uh, my kids have been going to grandma and grandpa's in Arizona for many years, and there's a lot of cactus in Arizona. And my son, Russell, who's now about to be eight, when he was very little, he just started referring to the cactus as pokies. And so we would always be saying, don't touch the pokies. It was like this warning to the kids, don't touch the pokies. And uh, it just kind of stuck. We've kept saying it. Um, and they've been pretty good about not touching the pokies. But my friend Sharon went down to stay with my parents in Arizona. And they went on this desert hike in the mountains. 
outside of Phoenix, and she saw on the hike this little ball, this little flower, and it looked super soft. And she goes and she picks it up, and it's a cactus. And it had these, like, hook-into-your-skin barbs, and it took them like all four of them, like an hour to get each of those little pokies out of her hand. She had the warning. She heard the words, but she didn't heed it. She didn't listen. I told you not to touch the pokies. It's kind of like in the midst of this psalm, God is giving a warning around the importance of listening to him. Verses 11 and 12 say this, but my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. What did the people not listen to God about? Several things. They didn't listen to God's deliverance, to God's command to listen, They didn't listen to God's command to be uniquely related to him, have no other God before me. They didn't listen to his declaration of sovereignty. So Walter Brueggemann, in talking about this psalm, says this. In refusing to listen, they refuse sovereignty, and therefore, they refuse God's saving. Let there be no lingering doubt about why there is trouble or judgment or disorientation. It's very simple. Not listening leads to death. And still it can be said today that God is constantly speaking. God desires that we would hear his messages, would hear his voice. God is constantly speaking to people. But all too often... We, the people, only seek to hear God's voice in times of crisis. We're only looking to hear from God when we're in a whole lot of trouble. Sometimes that trouble is even of our own making. Usually when we're in crisis mode with this dire need to hear from God, all of a sudden then we call out. And often then we get frustrated and we get confused and we think God doesn't speak, God doesn't care when the only time we're seeking to hear from him is when we're in trouble. Here's the thing. It doesn't have to be that way. It does not have to be that way. God wants everyone to hear his voice and to follow his voice, and it is possible to do so. The key is we have to forget about all the gimmicks and all of the formulas for hearing from God and instead focus our attention on developing the kind of relationship with God that will empower you and I to hear from God regularly. It's like the closer you get to God, the more you develop that relationship with God, the more you can enjoy listening and hearing from God. And the more we hear from God, the more we hear his voice, the more we listen and follow, the more we are transformed into the people that he wants us to become. It's kind of like I think about with my kids. When it comes to warnings, God is giving the people a warning in this passage. 
And I find as a mom, I mean, Tim and I often will say to our kids, we have three jobs as your mom or as your dad. First job, to help keep you safe. Second, to help you make good choices. Third, to help you know who you are. That's our job as your mom and dad. Help keep you safe. Help you make good choices. Help you know who you are. It's not about my need to be in control. It's actually about your benefit. And if I, as a perfect parent, (laughs) I'm a perfect parent, (laughs) as an imperfect parent, view it that way, how much more so our perfect father in giving a warning that is for our good, the goal in listening to God is that you and I would be so in tune to God, that God would have the first word in our lives. That's the goal, that with every direction, every decision, in everyday life, God would have the first word. Can we talk about family photos for a minute? Each year, our dear friend, Kate Borgelt, will take family photos of our family, and um, her photos, always, they always make me laugh at my kids, how silly they are, uh, and then I watch a little longer, and then I'm crying because they're growing up so fast, and uh, so a couple weeks ago, a week or so ago, she took family photos again for us, and uh, you guys, there was just one photo this year that just like grabbed my heart. Do you want to see it? This is it. And here's what I love about this photo. To me, it seems like Lila is totally free. To me, it seems like a picture of pure joy and celebration. To me, it looks like she is fully known and fully loved and totally unafraid, like no fear. To me, it looks like she is secure in the mighty grip of her father's arm. In this moment, she's not thinking about, like, what should I wear today? In this moment, she's not thinking about, what's my new school going to be like in the fall? In this moment, she's not wondering, why did my brother take my stuff? In this moment, she's totally lost in love. She is caught up in love. And when you are caught up in love, you are totally free. And you are totally unafraid. And there is a fullness of joy that cannot be contained. And you are completely satisfied. Psalm 81 starts out in celebration. Shout to joy, for joy to the Lord. With all the instruments, make music to God. Here's the thing. Listening to the voice of love prepares us for that kind of joy, for that kind of celebration. But to listen to the voice of love means you have to remove the distractions. And there are so many distractions. 
I mean, every single day, you've got billboards, you've got radio, you've got social media, you've got tweets, and you've got news flooding in at you. To listen to the voice of love means you got to get in a place where you can remove that constant fire hose of distractions that are coming at you. It is possible, it is easy actually, to go through your entire day with nothing but pure nonsense running through your brain all day. That's possible. So how do you get yourself in that posture? That you would listen to the voice of God, that you would listen to the voice of love away from distractions. Listening for that still, small voice of God that would whisper life that is truly life into your life. You know, there's this story in the Bible in 1 Kings 19. It's about a guy named Elijah. And Elijah, uh, he has had a rough ride. Um, I mean, he has been suicidal, exhausted, depressed. He's been dehydrated and hungry, disillusioned. The guy is a total mess. And he spends this night in a cave. And then he has um, this thought, like, he's the only faithful one left. And when he starts thinking this way, he becomes paranoid that someone is going to kill him, that people are going to kill him. And so in the middle of the night, in the middle of all this chaos, in the middle of all this anxiety, in the middle of all this fear, God tells him to go stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord because the presence of the Lord is about to pass by. And so he does, and this is what the Bible says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper gentle whisper, like the translation in Hebrew, it's like a soft blowing sound. Then came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? Here's what I love about this story. Like, Elijah is looking for the neon sign. He's looking for the stone tablets. He's looking for it to be written out in the sky. He's looking for flashing lights. And what does he get? A gentle whisper. A thin blowing sound. What does he get? He gets a question. And the question is, Elijah, what are you doing here? Now, here's the thing. He had asked God. God had said, go out. So, most of us would be like, what am I doing here? You told me to come here. Which is why the stories of the Bible are so amazing and so fascinating because often they're so weird and they're so circular and they're so much like our lives. Like how often are you and I, I want to hear from God and we're looking for 
the neon sign. We're looking for the flashing lights. We're looking for something to be written out in the sky. And how does God want to speak? In a still, small voice. In the quiet. How does God want to speak? Through a gentle, blowing sound. Just practically speaking, and certainly poetically speaking in Hebrew, this is a beautiful image. It's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful way to talk about listening to the voice of God. Now, here's the thing. God is love. The scriptures say God is love. So listening to the voice of God is listening to the voice of love. And a lot of times what happens is people get quiet and they start hearing negative messages from their past, from their family of origin, from their life, from their past traumas. God is love. To listen to the voice of God is to listen to the voice of love. Dallas Willard says, never believe anything bad about God. So we got to listen long enough. we got to let our listening be saturated with scripture and the wisdom of the community of faith. Because sometimes when we get quiet, there's a little conflict going on, right? When you begin to listen to the voice of love, when you begin to listen to the voice of God, you will begin to notice some things over time. If you aren't, here's one of the first things you'll notice. If you aren't listening to the voice of love on a regular basis, you probably will find that you are living off of somebody else's script for your life. And let's be honest, everybody's got a script for your life. Your family of origin has a script for your life. Your boss has a script for your life. Your country, where we live, has a script for your life. Here is what happiness looks like. Here's what it means to thrive. Religion has a script for your life. Your church can have a script for your life. And if you are not regularly listening to the voice of God, to the voice of love, you will probably end up living off of somebody else's script. You will find, and I have found myself, like involved in really great good activities, great activities. But when I get quiet, it's like, oh, that's not your lane. That's not your work. That's somebody else's work. And it's good work. It's just not your work. So what happens as you get quiet, what happens as you listen to the voice of love is you start to realize like, ah, this is my yes. And when you know your yes, it clarifies your no. How do you know your yes, what your yeses are? Listening to the voice of love, listening to the voice of God, getting quiet, getting reflective. A second thing that happens as we listen to the voice of love is certain things just do not go away. Like you begin to see patterns emerge, like when I'm with these people, and these, I'm in these places, and I go to these certain events, my soul gets enlarged, like it, it gets bigger, it gets wider, it's an expansive, wide space for my soul, for my life. 
and patterns begin to emerge. Other times you're like, oh, every time I'm with these people and every time I'm in this setting and every time I'm at these type of, I'm shrinking. It's like a narrow space. It's like constrictive. And you start to notice patterns over time. They emerge as you are quiet. When you begin to listen, you also will discover that what your soul really longs for, like pulling back the layers of the onion deep down, what your soul, what my soul really longs for is participation. Participation in the restoration of all things with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Participation in the restoration of all things. That is different than winning. That is different than success. Participation is different than approval. It is different than making a lot of money. And so as you get quiet and as you reflect, what you come to see is that what you really long for is participation. And you begin to get guidance from God on your next right step. And here's the thing. Your next step, it will cost you something. Like it will mean some body broken and some blood spilled out. This is the way of Jesus, who himself was taken, blessed, broken, and given for the healing of the world. So what happens when you get quiet and you start to pay attention is you start to realize, like, I am being invited into a next step that is both terrifying and exhilarating. I am being invited into a next step that is going to be super difficult, and I can't wait. Like, both things are happening because participation is what we long for. It's what we want. And God's desire, as Tim read in this passage, is to satisfy, open up your mouths wide. Like God has prepared this feast, this banquet table. And often what we're doing is we're like driving through the fast food line and eating that way. We're going through the drive through and he's prepared this feast. Verse 10 says this, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. The psalm is God is saying, I want to satisfy you. In the deep down places where your desires reside, I want to satisfy you with good things. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. Again, Brueggemann on this psalm says this, the offer still stands, it still holds. Yahweh promises to feed Israel, to make Israel full and safe. Israel need only come fully under Yahweh's protective sovereignty. Last thing about listening. Can we talk about controlling the narrative for a minute? When I think about my trouble with listening to others and listening to God, I think one of the biggest things that gets in the way for me is my tendency to control the narrative. So, you know, with my kids, like they start telling me something, and I think, I've been a kid, I know what it's like to be a kid, and I start filling in the blanks. 
So my curiosity takes a back seat to my knowing, and I begin to control the narrative of that conversation rather than leaning in with curiosity, with an open heart that would say, sure, I know what it's like to be a kid, but I don't know what it's like to be you as a kid. So controlling the narrative can get in the way for me of listening to others and listening to God. And Jean Venier, founder of LARCH, which is an international community for people with developmental disabilities, has this wonderful quote about listening. And I could just read it to you, but I have this little video someone made of his quote about listening, and I want you to watch it because I think it might stick with us more if we watch it together. So this is Jean Venier on listening. To listen. To listen means knowing when to stop and take the time to welcome another person, to give them the space to express themselves, to open the door to your heart and invite them to come in. It means accepting them just the way they are and seeing what they have to offer and trusting them Loving them. My spiritual director told me this story this week about how she was driving and she saw this mama deer with three, like what appeared to be triplet baby deer. And the image of this deer with these three baby deer just was like a gift from God to her in that day. And she kept reflecting on them and thinking about them, and it seemed like sort of a sweet way in which God was speaking to her. And the next day, she sees the mama deer with two baby deer. And she gets really sad. And she's like, you know, just, she said, disproportionately sad for several days about one of the deer, but was it eaten? Was it hit by a car? What happened? Then she's thinking, well, it would have been hard for the mom to support these three because there's probably not enough food. And she's really, like, distraught about this deer in a funny way. And um, she said several days later, she's driving, and she sees the, the mama deer with three baby deer. And she said... It was like God was saying to her in that moment, can you not fill in the blanks? Can you be okay to live in the void? Can you not always control the narrative? And when it comes to listening to God and to others, there's that tendency in us 
to want to control the narrative. We think we know it all. We think this means this. But sometimes God is doing his best work in the unknowing, in the dark. So I want to, as we close, read that quote to you again, and I want you to just imagine what would it look like this week to carve out some space where you might listen to the voice of love. To listen means knowing when to stop and take the time to welcome another person, to give them the space to express themselves, to open the door to your heart and invite them to come in. It means accepting them just the way they are and seeing what they have to offer and trusting them and loving them. Let's pray together. God, you are love. So when we listen to you, we're listening to the voice of love. In this quiet space, in this sanctuary space, we turn our hearts to curiosity. What does your voice of love want to say to us here and now? We open the door of our hearts and we invite you, God, to come in. We accept you just the way you are, not the way we want to make you be. We want what you offer, life that is truly life, and we trust you, and we love you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.